I can imagine in a first century group of Jewish men and women who have decided to follow this resurrected Jesus. You know, the long story of this is, you know, we, we see crucify him, crucify him, but Jesus was crucified. He was silent in front of his accusers, and he was crucified, and he was dead for some time. And then he stopped being dead, which is the most insane twist in history that we can ever imagine. That Jesus was dead and then he was alive. So what we proclaim, what we proclaim to the world about Jesus is that he is not just king, not just the crucified king, but we proclaim that he is indeed the resurrected king. That he sits on the throne with God, fully human, fully God, sits on the throne and rules us. And that as Messiah, he's not just some earthly guy with some weapons and some followers. But he's a resurrected king. He didn't just beat Pilate, he beat death. Didn't just, didn't just overcome Rome, he overcome all brokenness in this world. And so... He stands there knowing he, he can trust God even unto death. It's amazing that nobody predicted it. Huh? You know, even Jesus said it to his followers. You're going to have to, I'm going to have to die. And Peter comes to him and says, this is in Mark 8, Peter comes to him and says, no, absolutely not. Pulls him aside. You know how you pull people aside when you're upset with them? It says in Mark 8, he pulls him aside. When you're upset, you, you get your teeth together. Jesus, no, stop it. We will not let this happen. He says, get behind me, accuser. Get behind me, Satan. Now, we know that Peter wasn't Satan, right? That's not a big reveal. But what Jesus was saying to him is you're standing in the way of what God's going to do. You don't understand it. He says you're thinking about it through man's perspective, and I'm thinking about it through God's. We believe, we believe that Jesus overcame death and I, I believe that there's a chance I could have gotten caught up with the crowd none of us like to believe that about ourselves do we that when the chant crowd starts chanting crucify him crucify him that we would be the ones standing there saying the same. Those are the bad guys. And we have always been the good guys in our own little story. Those are the bad guys in the story. They yelled, crucify him. We don't ever get caught up in stuff. 
they lived in a certain world, in a certain time, in a certain place, where they, they, if this Jesus got his way, there could be some difficulties here. And all it takes is for four or five people to start yelling crucify him to convince the rest that, well, the loud people sure sound confident. And Jesus stands up out of the grave and walks out, appears to to over a hundred people, and they all saw him alive. First appears to the women, and they tell the men, and the men don't quite believe them. The women come and say, Jesus is alive, and the men say, we don't know what to make of this. And it says the men didn't know what to make of it. And they were all kind of scared. Jesus sits with them, walks with them, eats with them, shows him their scars, and they watch him ascend to the heavenly throne. And then Peter, on the day of Pentecost, stands in front of everybody and says, says this Jesus whom you crucified is now Lord and Savior. In Acts 2.36. And everyone said, men, brethren, what shall we do? And Jesus Peter says, repent and be baptized. Be immersed into this Jesus and you will find forgiveness and you will find the Holy Spirit. Jesus will be with you. And so they set those followers, set around a table and worshiped this Jesus whom they just recently probably said to crucify. There there has to have been people at the table of the Lord in the first century who let crucify him leave their lips. Don't you think? There have to have been some people in those rooms, in those first, in that first, who made such a mistake that they don't feel like they could ever be, ever be redeemed. That they've, that they've proclaimed things that they don't feel like they can ever take back. Man, it's crazy how words work like that, huh? You ever said something you regretted, maybe once at least? The other day, I was at the house. Friday's my day off. So I'm usually at the house in less appropriate gear for travel. You know, just shorts, No shoes, tank top, if you're lucky. I'm relaxing. I hear Ruby barking. I'm actually changing to go outside and work. I I hear Ruby, our dog, (laughs) not one of our children, for those visitors. (laughs) Ruby, our dog, she's about seven pounds. She's barking. That usually means we've gotten a package because those guys make her furious. They've ever invent one of those collars that translates dog's thoughts into words. We can't get her one because we, who knows what she'll teach the children when the post <laughs> guy comes. She was barking. So I walked in there, socks, shorts, that's it. And I thought, I'm going to check and see if there's a package. And then I hear somebody fiddling with the doorknob. Now, for those of you who don't know, um, we're thinking about moving. For, we live in Flint. We're thinking about moving into town. So we put our house in the market just to see what happens. So they're getting a key 
out of the box. We did not know about this. I panic. I run, I run to the garage door and stand there like this. <laughs> and then it hits me. I, I don't know. This, this isn't good either. They're going to come this way too. So I, I, and you're at that point where if I sprint through the living room, they're going to open the door and see me sprinting. But it's something I've got to do. So I sprint through the living room and go get my shirt on and then do the whole, when they come in, they say, oh, they left their dog here. And I said, and they left a man too. I, I said, hello? And they said, oh my goodness, someone's here. And I, well, I'm, I said, I'm so sorry. We didn't know anyone was coming. We got our dates mixed up. Um, let me grab the dog. And I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was all kind of panicked. And I said, I don't even live here. I'm just squatting. <laughs> I don't know why that came out of my lungs. That's just what I panicked and said. I said, I'm just kidding. I'm the owner. I'll take the dog. And I left without my phone, without my shoes, and just drove around for 45 minutes. The whole time, kicking myself, saying, why did I tell them I was a squatter? Why did that come out of my mouth? You, listen, when we panic, when we just don't know what to do, a lot of times when people say, I don't know why I said that, I didn't know what to do. Well, the good, a good trick is to just, as Rachel reminds me on a regular basis, say nothing. Don't start talking. Because once something comes out of your mouth, it's out there. It's in the world. It's, it's floating around. People hear it. They don't unhear it. And you've, you've said it. You can't unsay it. And if, even if it's, if it's something stupid or if it's something hurtful or if it's something mean or it's something that you just will never, never get to unsay. That's why in our world right now, what we say, it matters so much. One, it's forever. A lot of, a lot of us are putting our stupidity online. We're publishing our ignorance without an editor, without ever once going, this is this what Jesus, does Jesus condone this? Saying non, awful things about human beings created by God, loved by God. And just because they're a public figure, you think you get the right, you have the right to yell something crazy at them. Are we representing Jesus in those times or are we more like the mouths yelling crucify him? Are we, are we the way of Jesus or are we given into a culture that, that allows us to, 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 to say whatever we please as long as those people are the people that disagree with us? The culture right now is a divided one. It's one in which the people, people, I, I disagree with them. And it used to be that you could disagree with someone without hating them. But now the way the world works is if I disagree with them, I have to hate them. At least I get to make gross jokes about them. 
At least I get to say whatever it is I want to say because who knows who's going to hear them and the people I know are going to think it's funny. We get, to, we get to demonstrate our foolishness on a regular basis. And whether it's, it's saying something that's not funny or it's saying crucify him, it's all getting caught up in nonsense. It's all landing in a place where we're being, we're being directed by our culture. And I know, I know where you are. I know, I know it's very tempting to be sitting there because I, as I was going through this with myself, I had people I thought of without first thinking of me. Didn't you? Without the first, the way I think about the world around me and the people who disagree with me and the people that aren't quite, they aren't followers of Jesus. Or maybe you think they're misguided followers of Jesus or maybe you think they're right or wrong about this and it's just so, so indignant about them. I just can't believe But let me tell you about the Jesus I follow is the one who offered a seat at his table, a seat at his communion table for those who yelled crucify him. The Jesus I follow is the one who conquered death for those who yelled crucify him, who, who said nothing to those who yelled crucify him, to the culture that got cut up and was crazy. Listen, you can unsay things with Jesus. There's forgiveness found. It's, repentance is you saying, maybe I shouldn't be like, maybe I shouldn't be acting like this. Maybe I shouldn't be treating people like this. Maybe, maybe I should turn off the cable news and stop letting them get me riled up. I've seen bumper sticker after bumper sticker in this town that says, I can't be a Christian unless I belong to a particular political party. All sorts of them. I'm actually kind of rooting for the one that's like, you can't be a Christian and not be a green party or whatever. Like, that doesn't exist. But the two big ones, see those all the time. Connecting Christianity to a particular political belief. Grow up. This, this country's 250 years old. Do you think we've just figured out Christian government? All the governments before us couldn't figure it out, but we did it. We're better than that. We're not going to assign Jesus to some political party. We're not going to, our, our culture, be walking around saying, well, we've got it right. We've got it right. And those people who don't got it right, guess what? Crucify them. We've got to turn. Listen, I, I'm dead serious. We've got to turn that nonsense off. If we want to reflect, if we want to purify our souls to stop getting wrapped up in that culture. Now, sometimes we will say, well, yeah, culture out there. You are affected by something. You're affected by what you listen to. I've had to do it. There were podcasts I would listen to. And I think, yeah. Yeah, those other people. And as soon as I felt that sourness in my soul, that stuff has to go. As soon as it's inciting some sort of rage in me, that's got to go. Because what I have to do is I have to see the people in my world, the people I disagree with, the people I agree with, but I think are bad, <laughs> bad advocates. You got people like that in your life, they'll stand next to you and be like, yeah, I agree with him, and the moon's fake. And you're like, well, no, hold on, no, I didn't, 
you're a bad person to be with here. Which that's funny. If, so, if you meet someone who thinks the moon landing's fake, tell them the moon's fake. That's just doubling down. It's, it's fun to do. But all, all of that, like, our culture, like, our tendency to be taught to hate the other person, hate the other side because they are the other side, that's brokenness. To proclaim that they, they, they can't sit at the table of the Lord because they are them over there. When Jesus invited all, the ones who shouted crucify him sat at his table. I'm not calling you to have a perfect political belief. I don't know what that is. I know it definitely doesn't look like siding. But I am what I want us to be as Christians is people who pull out chairs at tables and ex- insist on a different culture than the one we live out there. The one we live in out there is divided. Divided over politics, divided over uh, how, how to, what words even mean at times. It's divided. Got it. And you can have opinions about that. Of course. That's normal. You say, I believe this, I don't like that, so I believe this, and I believe this, I think we should do this, I think we should do that. Good. But when we get in here, we pull out tables. We pull out tables, we set up tables, we pull out chairs for the communion, for the kingdom of God, and we say, you have a seat. People who yelled crucified him sit with Jesus. The people who yell things I don't like get to sit with Jesus. Our culture is a divided one, but our kingdom has been united by the king. We've, we've got a resurrected savior calling us to something better. Give it up. Give up that culture. Give up whatever you're listening to that makes you angry. Now, there's a good chance you're not listening to someone who makes you angry about their opinions. But they're telling you you need to be angry about other people's. They may be right about their opinions. But the kingdom of God is calling us to an attitude of table communion fellowship. And that attitude goes out the window when we turn on our radios and yell about the other. It just does. If I could get rid of one thing. I was once asked this. It was one of those little discussion questions where it's like, uh, would you rather be a tree frog or a tree? You know, like that kind of nonsense and have to start. It's like, if you could get rid of one thing, what would you get rid of? And I used to say the internet. Um, I would just get rid of it. Um, And that's still on, I think that's still my top one. I think I'm still there. I, you know, I love, I still go, but online banking, I haven't gone in a bank in forever. I like that. But I'm going to meet you in the middle and say I would just get rid of every 24-hour news station on the planet. I want to go back and I want to hear Tom Brokaw tell me 
you know, something, and then I go back to my life. Get rid of that. What's riling you up against the other? Because that's what our culture is. They want you to be afraid. They've been doing this for years. You remember the Goodyear commercials with the baby in them? Riding down the street. Remember the baby in the little, was that the Goodyear commercials? Baby sitting in a tire, riding down the street in just a tire, saying, Goodyear protects children. Like all other tires are like, let's get us some kids. You know, like it's not, <laughs> it doesn't, like, but the impl- implication there is, the implication is, if you don't buy our things, there's something for you to be afraid of. If you don't believe our things, there's something for you to be afraid of. If you don't do this or think that, there's something for you to be afraid of. But we do not preach a message of fear, but a message of freedom. So turn, turn the fear off and turn your eyes back to Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we are so caught up in our world, in our disagreements with people, our brokenness, our our mistakes. God, we get caught up in the division of this place. God, help us to find the forgiveness that you have found for us. Help us to find that and hold it and give it to others. Help our culture of division not be one that defines or decides what the church is to be. Help the people who walk out of a divided culture in this world and walk into this place find a table that is united. Empower us, God, with your spirit to get away from all of that mess and get back to your table where we find forgiveness, hope, resurrection, and unity. It's in your son's name we pray.